We're all gathered here today to listen to a dwarf cast by Ganymede and Titan. Start the tape, please, Holly. Awoga, this is a dwarf cast. Hello and welcome to the last ever Ganymede and Titan episode commentary. What? Unless they make more episodes, which, <laughs> with the current climate of Grantnado Productions, who knows? <laughs> uh, but anyway, for now, this is it. The promised land. We have reached it in more ways than one. Uh, I'm Ian Symes and joining me is Jonathan Capps. Hi. And Danny Stevenson. For the purposes of this podcast, I am a cat. <laughs> As always. <laughs> And so, for one last time, if you would like to sync up and watch the episode along with us, uh, there's just a couple of things you need to know first. We have a version of the episode here that has all the ad breaks cut out, but does include the UK TV Originals bumper at the beginning. Uh, So, if you've got that version, watch that and start at the bumper. If not, just start, like, seven seconds in or something. That'd be about right. Uh, And so, without further ado, have some pips. There ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace. www.ganymede.tv That was the UK Originals uh, <laughs> bumper in case anyone now, missed it. <laughs> did they ever do the Irish scene with any other episode? Or a... No, it's not been done on Red Dwarf before. I've not really seen it on anything else other Dave productions before either and I really like it it yeah. makes it feel like it belongs as a piece of television it sort of cements its place yeah. I think it's it's a shame that it got cut off the DVD yeah. slash Blu-ray yeah I think it's a nice little intro as is this this is gorgeous this is yeah. wonderful this feels very filmy this feels like what Doug wanted from a mm. well this is not the first feature length for a dwarf we've ever experienced, no. but I think it's safe to say this is the first time that Red Dwarf has been deliberately feature length. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's been episodes that have been stretched <laughs> out very and silly squeezed together. <laughs> that is superbly stupid. <laughs> there's a lot of superbly stupid jerks in this, to be honest with you. Yes. Yeah, there's a big one coming up. A cat there's ooh. a big cat flap coming up. <laughs> 30 years. 30 years, and CSO is still a challenge. <laughs> Which fur, isn't it? Fur and hair has always been the biggest um, enemy of yeah. the CSO. Yeah. And yet they're not used it there, so why just, just use that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the old-fashioned um, lights cut out of a black curtain technique, I assume. <laughs> there's something about uh, when Doug writes normal dialogue that's just that works really well when it's other characters do you know what I mean there is a little bit of a tradition now of there being scenes in Red Dwarf now and then that don't involve any of our cast and they were, very, they were there in the original BBC series as well but much much rarer yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah there's bits here obviously and then there's the Beginning, which has the <laughs> other <laughs> the simulant. I can't chaps tell if that's dominators. a shit joke or not. I really can't. You've got you, <laughs> the with, giant cat flap. Yeah, <laughs> I think it works because of how awkwardly he goes through it. <laughs> Even though, if that's a thing that they have on their ship, <laughs> then he should be used, well used to coming in and out of the. Yeah, 
Chancellor, <laughs> Chancellor Catterday is a very good, uh, very good performance in this. And I think when you're dealing with the cat fleet, you you have a decision to make early on about like what tone you're going to go with for them. Mm, and yeah. I think like <laughs> they definitely he definitely goes all in with like just get as many cat jokes as you can in there, but also give them a bit of a serious side. And I think it's a good balance. Yeah. I think they kind of uh, get it out of the system quite early on. There's less... I've, I've just remembered the denouement of the whole thing involves laser pointers, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it kind of bookends the cat story. I think they do well from having the two different factions um, so that the cats, yeah. all of the cats that we meet aren't all the same. It's not just one joke over and over. You've got Rodon's lot and then the, the listery cloister worshippers. Yeah, once again, like Doug, almost going back to a previous idea, but almost kind of forgetting about it. Like, there's no mention of the hats at all. No, which is <laughs> which is interesting. Well, one fleet went off and crashed into an asteroid, and the other went on forever, knowing they were righteous. So it's not a problem anymore. <laughs> they, no, that's they, true. They yeah, basically got rid of the whole of the faction. They've gone past the hats. So the hats are less important to their society now. So it has been three million years. Obviously, they weren't. They evolved during that time, but they've been around a long time. The cats. The first, well, not really a mention, but like we know that one of the cats can't speak. Yeah, which I'd completely missed at the recording because those subtitles weren't there. Yes, <laughs> it's also yeah. Well, it's not really made very explicit, is it? Yeah, um, which is you know, it works. Yeah, this is it is this is cool. Like what a what a like a moment. Just I'd have preferred a crossfade rather than a cut. A jump <laughs> that would have been nice. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was a big old pre-credit sequence. Aye. And look at that, a film with a title sequence. How about that? Another cold <laughs> A musical title sequence. Yeah, odd. Like, the only title sequence, the Red Dwarf title sequence, to be just taken of clips from one episode. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really hard to evaluate it in the oeuvre of all the others because it's, by its definition it's going to be more limited. It's a bit like putting a trailer at the start of a film for the film you're about to watch. It's interesting. Well, that whole pre-credits was um, released in advance, wasn't it? About a week before they released that pre-credit sequence as a standalone clip. I seem to recall. Yeah, the trailer also had the 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 bumper front bumper bit as well. Yeah, uh, the zoom in. Uh, for the audience, this set was hidden behind a curtain so that it could be pulled down and ah, revealed good. the mess at the same time as they walked in and revealed it. I like that there's stuff like that still, you know, like that yeah. kind of attention to detail to, to give the audience the best experience so they give you their best. My reaction to the rest of this scene was uh, rather more silent. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get onto the bad stuff, I'd just like to point out the Subutio thing. <laughs> that uh, the Subutio box is there, and it mentions later in the dialogue uh, Subutio with a Partic Thistle away kit, and uh, that Matt Clark went and 
researched <laughs> authentic uh, period. Uh, Partick Thistle awake it, painted it, printed the boxes, Cost and it, it was ne- never seen in close up at all. <laughs> you, like you only see it on that trolley <laughs> with a box on top of it. <laughs> I seem to remember from the recording as well that amongst the junk was just like stuff from the office. So there was like um, uh, test prints of the uh, Blu-ray box set art and stuff like that. It was just like they must have just grabbed stuff and chucked it on set. <laughs> yeah, just get the clutter in. There's a lot of TVs, a lot of like old weird TVs there. Yeah, presumably like found around the back of Pinewood or something. Now, hmm. let's just get it out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> the whole section here. My final word on the matter, because I think, in all fairness, uh, it's such a tiny part of the episode. This I'm talking about the sex change joke for anyone that's uh, in quotes for anyone that's not watching along. It's such a tiny part of the episode that I think it dominated, not dominated, but it took up a disproportionate amount of the discussion straight yeah. after. And my final word on the matter is that I'd just rather it wasn't there. I think it doesn't overstep the mark too much and it doesn't veer into actually being offensive or upsetting or anything like that. But it's just, it makes me uncomfortable whenever this topic um, is is discussed, particularly in a comedy show at, in the current climate when yeah. transphobic hate crime is on the rise and rhetoric is on the rise and in the mainstream and when one of the main causes of that is a sitcom writer <laughs> from the 90s. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I would just rather it wasn't there because it has no bearing on the rest of the episode. It's not very funny um, and it's just over with and you could cut it out and no one would be any of the wiser. Yeah, it's worst crime is insensitivity, I think, and um, a bit of ignorance about um, the subject in general, which is, yeah. you know, you can't blame anyone for being ignorant. I'm still... I still consider myself ignorant, to be honest. It's just you have to. You, you I know. consider you ignorant. Too. Yes, but uh, yeah, we we got some flack at the time. Um, I think for maybe <laughs> maybe raising this too much. I don't know, um, but yeah, I, I would completely agree with what you just said. It's just it's just rather it wasn't there. It could have not been there if a bit more thought was put into it. Possibly, yeah, it wouldn't have been. At least with your Taiwan Tonys and your um, the ending of Dear Dave, it's a lot harder to extract that those things from the episode. Yeah, and like there's a reason that they're there. They're they're working in the plot, but like even thematically and emotionally, this doesn't really return the the idea that Lister needs to restart the human race. That's not a theme in this at all. No, it isn't. Yeah, That's it's weird. Scene. Yeah. Although I do quite like Rimmer walking in and interrupting the stuff just because of Chris Barry's face. <laughs> Chris is really good in this in this whole thing. And here's this <laughs> Crichton Rimmer pairing that's come up increasingly recent, <laughs> uh, increasingly often recently, <laughs> which is good. Yeah, the. Uh... What was the what was it was it um the beginning of MCOR? They're paired off in Skipper. Oh that's well. it, yes, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I thought you meant follow you like a spy. Isn't that brilliant a joke? But <laughs> Robert does it well. It doesn't quite need um, <laughs> explain like yeah, given that explanation. But I just thought he was and... trying to hide from Rimmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another thing that isn't quite maybe quite as explicit or mentioned explicitly um, as it could have been is Crichton's like downtroddenness and general disrepair mm. like he's he's in a right old state visually yeah i think the reason the characters don't mention it is because they've got complacent about it like yeah it's, it's just it's happened slowly for them over a period of time and Crichton's not had a service for a while and it's just one of those things but yeah for us it was a big deal like you could just you could make it out in some of the very earliest publicity photos that yeah you could see his chest monitor in close up in one of them, and you could see the scratches in it and stuff like that. And so we were all very intrigued, but it, yeah, it works within the context of the episode for sure. Yeah, I guess it's a, it's kind of a mirror to to Lister. Like Lister's gone out to seed as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, in his own way. Uh smart <laughs> Alex. <laughs> Where. When I first heard that dialogue at the recording about no one likes a smart Alex, I looked over towards Alex Newsom from Gaspacho Soup and just thought, oh, thank you, Doug. That's <laughs> going to keep me going for a while. <laughs> I'll just start you in a minute, mate. <laughs> Here's an, it's interesting that um, this is a different production block to 11 and 12, mm. but it pretty much has identical sets. Yeah. Which might be the first... Well, not really, because obviously 3, 4, and 5, to some extent, have like the same bunk room set, but it's, it's interesting. Like you, you, In the day, really, you often get a reset of this sort of stuff when you've got a yeah. couple of years between... It's the first time in this era yeah, that yeah. there's been any kind of continuity between blocks. It's normally just a complete do-over. Which is great, because this this science room set is is, is really nice. It's, it's become yeah. very kind of a familiar, comfy place. It comes across as huge on screen as well, Yeah, which is good. <clears throat> There's confidence and paranoia coming back. Yeah, <laughs> you don't remember because it's just Classic. amazing for him to make your memory. <laughs> Thing is, he goes one further by doing it again and again and again. Yeah. <laughs> this is an example of a joke that it it goes too far and it's to its credit. <laughs> like it it, yeah. it pushes it past being unfunny into being funny again. Yeah, loops back around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing of. They Crichton always ending up back at the start of the conversation because Rimmer's bad at doing this. Yeah, <laughs> that's what makes it work. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> now you mentioned that there's some extremely silly jokes in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what you mean. Enter <laughs> <laughs> the giant floppy disk. <laughs> Which had a lot of discussion about it afterwards. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's a funny visual I can't, joke. I can't tell really what the joke's meant to be about, whether it's meant... <laughs> it's such a silly thing, but it's an amazing prop. 
really yeah. is. It's great. The fact that it's a floppy disk, it's not even an actual CD or anything. That's the disk. <laughs> it's it kind of fits into the uh, ongoing thing in Red Dwarf of technology looping back round. Because uh, like they had VHSs and they had discs, and then they went back to VHSs, but slightly different, like enhanced versions, exactly. i.e., triangular. Yeah. And so now they've they've developed a new floppy disk based technology that fits into what looks like a giant Nintendo Wii. Yeah, I was going to say it looks like a CD drive. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is with that prop because everything's supersized. Someone wrote in that Holly backup disk on there with the biggest fucking sharpie. It's, it's you've like ever someone seen. took a floppy disk and put it in the fucking Wonka Vision machine. Yeah. <laughs> Holly version 1.001, so like right back to earliest version. Yeah. Foreign upgrades. Here he yet. is. Every single time Norman fucking Lover appears in Red Dwarf since series 7, he gets a cheer. Every <laughs> yeah. single time. He's <laughs> come back get... about five yeah. times. Well, <laughs> by the end of this episode, he is still yeah. on board. In So we assume now that he's a member of the crew full time. And so you'd hope that with any future Red Dwarf, if and when, his presence wouldn't be a novelty anymore. Yeah. Maybe it'll just become a running thing. Like The audience will yeah. always cheer. Hey. But... You're not a first technician, you prick. <laughs> yeah. That's a last human type. Again, <laughs> this, this is the thing where, <clears throat> the, if you're watching this, stuff, this is meant to be a reintroduction, isn't it? This is the effectively the beginning of uh, Sirens. Yeah. This is re-establishing the basics of the series. So if anyone's to watch this one, they don't need any backstory. They could the, the you know the preamble at the beginning explained up to now and then. In theory, yeah. I just I question how much they're going to get out of all the cat stuff based on. <laughs> well, it does make yeah. stuff from thirty yeah. years earlier. Uh, it has to be said, having. Watch Skipper as our previous commentary. Uh, Norman looks so much better here. Oh. He just looks like he just looks like Norman. He looks, he like, looks Norman. like Holly. Yeah, it's like they because... made the exact same mistake that they made in series one, which was overprocessed his face and then fixed yeah, it in series two. Yeah, it's my face. It's my face. <laughs> it's, it's the money. This is the money. Yeah. <laughs> That's an impression of Rob doing an impression of Norman. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the play? It's a great performance. No, you're not listed, you're Lister. (laughs) (laughs) I guess they do reintroduce the smuggled cat. Yep. This is also kind of what happens with Pre. Exactly what happens with Pre. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm being kind, but they more or less. (laughs) But yeah. The... um, the AI on board decides that there's no need for the ship to run anymore, and yeah. so he elects to destroy it. And I can't quite remember, but I'm get- <laughs> I would assume that Cat had a similar thing of, oh, you're going to kill Rimmer, fine. <laughs> At least that has a payoff in this one. <laughs> 
I'm always intrigued when, like, if Red Dwarf had a range of action figures, <laughs> yeah. his, uh, maintenance lister would be one of them. <laughs> there you go. So this monitor, it's the monitor that's doing it. Because the monitor's doing it now. This monitor they used for Holly's face is the same one. Why? Well, what? It's giving her weird. It's doing the the washing out of the face. Hmm. Well, the difference was that in uh, Skipper, that it was doing that on the close-ups as well. It was much worse in Skipper yeah, than it is there. Uh... And this is a two thousand and one Space Odyssey reference. <laughs> Is Doug with an initialism there? <laughs> well, at least EMP is uh, <laughs> standard. That's a real one. Yeah, that's a real one. <laughs> Last used in Twentica. Twentica years ago. <laughs> that's some good pretend working from remote from <laughs> from Chris. <laughs> Yeah, why did they think that Holly couldn't hear them in there? Yeah, because it's... he's not—he's not just on the monitor; he's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you guys seen two thousand and one? Not for a long. Uh, time. I fell asleep. Okay, there's a, there's boring. a scene when um, Dave and the guy who's on the ship with him are trying to talk uh, in an airlock. You know, so Hal won't hear them, but he's still lip reading. Ah, right. So he can still ah, okay. what, so he works out what they're saying anyway. Um, but they're they're in the airlock to to hide anything they're saying. So that's the that's the reference. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, <laughs> I <laughs> I have had this conversation about which is which. Conversation that makes no sense. <laughs> but yeah, what I, what I like about that was that it emerged. Afterwards, we realised that Doug alluded to that joke on Twitter beforehand because there was a thing where the crew, uh, the crew, the cast were appearing on uh, Good Morning Britain or This Morning or one of them firms, um, <laughs> and Danny was late on the Zoom call because of a mix-up between AM and PM, wow. and Doug alluded to that on Twitter, and then like two days later, we realised, oh yeah, <laughs> now. What do we think of the music? I hate shit um, and worthless. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I liked it until I discovered that the person who wrote it was a dick. So the music, out of great. fairness, I'd say yeah, yeah, the music's great. It's good. It's a good. It's a proper score. Yeah, um, like it's been done that way round. Mm, but it does. Uh, the thing is, it does sound like library music to me. Like in in the way that it, it does sound, it, it doesn't feel like it's specific to dwarf. It feels like it's it's still yeah yeah. I don't know. It's, well, I it's guess a weird one. when you have the same composer doing all the original music for twelve series, and then there's suddenly a different person doing it, mm-hmm. then you're going to lose a lot of the idiosyncrasies that were built in naturally. Yeah. Because like Howard's got his styles and his late motifs. And he's got aspects to his work that you can identify across all his TV work. Mm. They're not just Dwarf. Like There's the shared bits between the music and Dwarf and Mr. Bean and Blackadder and Dibley and everything. Uh, so, yeah. 
when you're doing something, you're getting it from scratch, then what you're getting isn't necessarily bad. Because um, no. I think a lot of it is good music. It's just sometimes it doesn't feel it don't feel the same. Yeah. Is someone going to it from a fresh perspective? An Iron Star. I don't know whether you guys know what an Iron Star is. Like a red dwarf is obviously the state of a um, of a sun at a particular point. Uh, an iron star is a similar thing, um, which is basically one of the last remnants of the universe. Yeah. So it's one of the, the iron is completely inert in terms of like uh, fusion. So iron will basically last. It basically, it's a it's a compact star that will last around like it's a really stupid number it's like 10 to the 15th years it's like a, a black dwarf isn't it yeah. yeah it's similar to that yeah yeah i didn't realize that that was a parallel that's neat mm. i thought it was just a cool sounding name yeah or some sort of communist badge i i thought it was a communist thing actually i thought it was a russian ship that's why yeah. I, it sounds quite it sounds soviet yeah it does Diamond Light, however, sounds very eighties. <laughs> sounds very former England footballers. On top of the pops. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn Hoddle. <laughs> nice set. This is Chekhov's fork. <laughs> Ooh. Bit of a weird camera move, actually. It looked a bit sped up. It did, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, I like this it's... thing of Rimmer <laughs> railing against health and safety, political correctness, comrade type. It's like, without directly mentioning a certain referendum <laughs> that happened <laughs> in uh, 2016 and some of the issues around it, it's the show commenting on that mindset, at least, without getting into the politics. Yeah. Of, like, showing that there's, yes, there's a reason why we have health and safety <laughs> procedures. There's a reason why we have checks and you can't just do what you want. But first. But first. Some uniforms. Oh, yes. Ooh. Very nice bit of uh, that's weird. Those uh, cables were yeah, they've been. It was a post process. Yeah, they've been yeah. Um, uh, rotoscoped. I think it's it a... looks like um, the tubby custard bowls from the Teletubbies. <laughs> 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 I've been watching a lot of CBBS. Hey. Again with the massive oh, H, though. Yeah, his H was never that big. The hair. <laughs> yeah, his hair's crazy. I think it's just to give the oh, difference that's... between that hair and this hair. It's... Yeah, it's exaggerated. Wow, that that that's the right look, isn't it? Yeah, keep that. Yeah, <laughs> I just need something that. about that look. Oh, they miss out the uh, the red tunic. Yeah, series, the series six. five tunic. Oh yeah, maybe they couldn't find it. <laughs> Yeah, they must have. They must have dug out original costumes, like because surely it would have been way too much work to recreate all those. Yeah, perhaps um, 
slowly adjusted around the middle. <laughs> yeah. I did not know what to make of all this at first. Because <laughs> like, I was thinking... I was pretty sure he, he wasn't going to be like this forever. <laughs> but like maybe for the rest of the episode, he'd be in this diamond light state. And that would have been a long time. There's still an hour left. <laughs> the shoes. <laughs> a little are light up shoes. The shoes are the fucking wish specials. <laughs> My nephews have got those. <laughs> yeah, there's a great punchline to this whole sequence. I think yeah. I think it justifies it. So, again, like this episode just just about riding the silly silliness to its to its limit and doing it in a well-judged way. <laughs> no, oh. not Glitter Guy. <laughs> the Gary Glitter of Space. <laughs> Balls. <laughs> that is so childish. <laughs> Mighty shit! <laughs> what like cunty shit? <laughs> but at least we still have curvy bananas or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> just plugged into the main. Yeah, that's good. Presumably, in universe. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, that cable is plugged in directly to his light B and his image is being projected around the cable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas in practice, he's just stuck onto his back. <laughs> or shoved up his ass. Which again implies, because we've talked a lot about how the light B works and it's never the same from one no. point <laughs> to the next. But it implies that it's perfectly still in the middle of him, in the middle of his back. Yeah, and, and I believe in one of the books it, it's described as buzzing around, projecting. Yeah. yeah, Like it's kind of hovering like a... Yeah. Sort of drawing him. Yeah. The, by far the most common <laughs> way that we kind of imagine it's like be working is, is kind of hovering in the middle, isn't it? Like yeah. we've seen that a few times in later series, or well, later BBC series. <laughs> this is good. So fucking impractical. <laughs> the backwards walking, are they? Trying to hoover the fucking car. <laughs> I'll do anything in a garden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, trying to find enough plugs for two edit suites in one room. <laughs> <laughs> one porter cabin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He shouldn't be plugging extensions into each other either. It's incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Don't know why. Just is fine. (laughs) 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 He has returned a fifth. Good good reveal. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, the reaction to almost everyone watching this first time is like, I didn't know you couldn't love. Yeah, I can speak. <laughs> well done. I can speak. We can all I've speak. been speaking since I was one. <laughs> I 
I couldn't be for. Couldn't be for. <laughs> Chuck Powell loves her. <laughs> I do like these cats. I think the man one is a is a bit. The man car, call him by his name. <laughs> the man cat, the Tom. <laughs> uh, but um, Luna and Peanut are very good, I think. Yeah. Why is Lister, Lister should not be surprised that he's seen as a god by the cats. Well, you should be surprised that there are cats, and I think the cat would have some sort of reaction. Yeah, well, you'd imagine, wouldn't you? <laughs> I, ideally. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, I do love The Promised Land, and I think it's the best format for New Red Dwarf going forward, is to make stories in this way. Uh, but it's not perfect, and I think it, it's lacking the cat having... Because, like... We are still waiting for a cat-centric episode. Yeah, we are. Um, like, Can of Worms is the closest we've got, and that was a massive disappointment. But, like, having the cat finally bump into other cats, meeting members of his own species for the first time, and women as well, which is what mm-hmm. he's always wanted, and he just stares at him, and, well, Lister does all the talking. Yeah. And it comes yeah. down to the fact that it must be so hard to do a, an episode centered around the cat and make it good. And so Doug probably got to that point and was just like, oh, actually, this is really difficult. Shall I do another Rim and Lister episode? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll let me do another Rim and Lister episode. <laughs> but have the cats there. The only thing that really pisses me off about this episode is the like, the amount of research that Doug normally does for things for him to get <laughs> Anubis, which is oh, probably yeah. the most well known <laughs> of all the Egyptian gods, does not have the fucking head of a cat. <laughs> has the head of a dog quite famously a, a dog <laughs> yeah unless it's in this universe got, I don't know but yeah it's the weirdest thing to get wrong and to draw attention to it as well yeah for it to be a, a, a thing for, like for Crichton to explain yeah. it as if that's true when it's not it's all related to Chekhov's beetle dung beetle dung I think I just didn't want to call it Bastet yeah, yeah, bastard. <laughs> oh, you've We're got the bastard stored. Bastard. bastard stored again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a cacophony of references. <laughs> no, they're good, and I really like the get-up. I, I love the. Um, I mean, what's what's that? That's you know, four, isn't it? Series four. Look. Yeah, it's the kind with of the thing. extra fluffy deer stalkers. It's the, the thing with the cigarette in the ear being like a factor, and it's like it's weird how that yep. something that just Cray did on the spot wasn't a character thing, and then yeah, integrated into Cray the Charles. actual character. Although the cigarette in the ear thing is something that could have been sort of passed down from generation to generation because that was very much an early series thing, mm-hmm. and so the lister that Frankenstein knew was the lister that did that all the time. Yeah. How do they know about the deer stalker in the leathers? That's the bit, yeah. That's the, yeah. Maybe he <laughs> did have that. Point. Maybe he did have that stuff and just didn't wear them in the first. Yeah, place sometimes too. he wore he it. Did, yeah, because where did he get? He wore it all the time, except by coincidence. Or they've <laughs> the day got some before, sort of... The day before he got put into stasis, it was all in the wash, and he was just wearing slobby things for the next. I mean, <laughs> when they escape, they know exactly where Red Dwarf is. So maybe, maybe they've been like mm. tracking it and monitoring it for a while, and I don't know. Uh, studying the CCTV. <laughs> well, maybe they've bumped into people like Hoagie and um, Butler and 
Further uh, yeah. tales have been passed down. If this further myths me, about this cloister figure. If this was me, where Rimmer is right now, I'd be absolutely shitting myself that the plug that I plugged in first hadn't already come out of the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, like there should be loads of other wall plugs, so what you should do is have someone working with him and say, okay, I've got a new plug here. I'll plug this in here. Could you go and get the other extensions so I can... Uh, cable bash. Yeah, we don't need them anymore. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, you need a cable basher. Rodon, Rodon is a very, very good scene chewer, which is um, appropriate for a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see the point about that line not being as good if it was where is the bastard stone <laughs> where's the bastard stone <laughs> should have got him a tie yeah that robot hand distracts me it looks like it's going to be important in some way poor man <laughs> Hmm. The worst superhero in the Red Dwarf universe. <laughs> this is good, this. We're just sat here watching it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so Rodon's got a bit of a point with the whole, like, try not to, like, you know, centre your whole, um, your whole society on, like, I guess a false god, you know. Presumably they mm. they've known or like he like Rodon knows or suspects that you know he's he's not. Well, he's, he's an unbeliever, right? He's so, lost yeah. his faith, yeah. Rodon, and it's it's like faith versus reason type thing. Yeah. So um, what else is new? Rodon wants proof that Cloister is who he says he is, and the others, the Cloisterettes, whatever what they're called. There there is a name for those three. The <laughs> disciples yeah they um they believe in him straight away but i think yeah his wider point that you shouldn't place all your faith in one deity whether or not they're real is a valid one it 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 really is quite striking how i I called him chancellor cataday (laughs) earlier but that is because he is exactly the same character to (laughs) yeah (laughs) the very last letter (laughs) <laughs> um, Al Roberts, I think, is his name. Al something. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he's really, really good. He's brilliant in Stathlet's Flats, which is my ah. one of my favourite new sitcoms of the last ten years or so. That's that's uh, been on my commended. list a while. It's very good. Which I'd only seen after I'd seen this, and he's he's. So he's got such a bigger role in Stathlet's Flats than he has here. It really shows off how good he is. What is everyone's thoughts on the Wolverine clothes? <laughs> it's weird. I mean, obviously they don't have actual, you know, they don't just have sharp fingernails, which you would kind of expect. That would be harder to do, I guess, wouldn't it? Yeah. But are they meant to be their real claws or some sort of like I've always thought there's some sort of accoutrement like they've been augmented with them like added added yeah. to their gloves or something. It's like yeah, it's a weapon that they're clutching. Yeah, that I would I prefer, and I think word of God says that that's what they are. In that I think if I remember correctly, I'll dig it out and put it in the show notes. If so, Richard Naylor did a Q and A on Twitter. 
uh, a week or so after the episode went out, and that was one of the things that got asked, and right. he said, yeah, they're weapons. However, on the DVD Blu-ray, there's yeah, a deleted scene in which the cat <laughs> has his own... <laughs> Again, he should know how to use a cat flip. I just don't know. <laughs> I it's almost like he's like groveling before he comes in the room. <laughs> the... Uh, there's a deleted scene where the cat has his own claws and they're tiny little, like, weedy claws, and that's the joke. Uh, uh, which like implies that it's something that all cats have. It's just that some have got better, sharper claws than others. Mm. Uh, but with that being deleted, that's not canon anymore. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said this on the instant reaction, but I used to, I used to have a cat, we had to tape the cat flap open for him because he just could, he couldn't figure it out. We, yeah, we had a, well, we had a cat that got a, a claw stuck in the door and for ages just would not go through because it was just reminded her of hurting herself. Oh. It's just afraid, afraid to go through it again. She went back. PTSD. I love the sound missiles. of the missiles. Yeah. They're really loud in the mix on the Blu-ray yeah. more so than on the broadcast version. I remember the first time I watched it on Blu-ray, I shat myself. That's weird. Yeah. There will be a review of that Blu-ray at some point, by the way. <laughs> It's only been a year and a yeah. bit. Yeah, you know, it's it's our last ever Blu-ray review. We're going to savor it. Yeah. I like this uh, this kind of string of accidental miracles. Yeah. It gives them a reason to keep believing until the point in the episode where they need to keep believing. <laughs> and it's kind of a nice way of like almost justifying. Um, Story contrivances. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like because it you you almost it's, it's almost like a good version of hanging a lampshade on it in that you you know you're making it a a funny part of the the setup. Um, that he just can't stop having fortunate things happening to him and making him look like the Messiah. That model shot is recycled, isn't it? Uh, the model shot escaping. of him flying away. Yeah, yeah. I think it's flipped as well. Yeah, but that is an. Inc- Incredible shot. That's really good. Really good. Um, Red Dwarf always explodes things really well, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's all CG, right? Yeah, the CG shit. So it's not, it's yeah. not like um, augmented. I mean, it would like, have to be, for model. it to disintegrate like that, it would have to be a huge model. Oh, that's <laughs> true, actually. Yeah, the scale. But yeah, that's such a great, um, great bit of work. There we go. More stuff happening with uh, Starbuck that always seems really like <laughs> really final and <laughs> like holy shit, they've just got rid of the back end of this is so movie like. This is um it makes me think of um God, I honestly feel like we're just saying all the same things we said on the instant reaction a year ago. But this um this crash onto the, the desert moon really makes me think of Mix, Dead Dwarf artwork yeah. from many years ago. Um, with Red Dwarf nice. crashed in the background in a, on a deserty place, <laughs> but yeah, this is Starbug being disintegrated, uh, at having the back end fucked off is yep. uh, from Ticket to Ride Extended. Yeah, <laughs> well, indeed. The actual, but the actual bit that he ejected could still work. Yeah, in that one they worked independently. The front bit of the ship is the bit that fucked off. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's 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 so funny though. The the like. Lister does a bit of ingenuity and and rescues them without really thinking too much about the future, which is a which is very Lister. Like that's quintessential Lister. And Rimmer just not being able to help himself from like really digging at him about it, even though he's just saved their lives. It's um, that's yeah. nice. 
Yeah. Like, like Lister, Lister, gets, Lister gets shit for not yeah. thinking ahead or not thinking into the future from Kachansky in Last Human. And it's like, it's almost exactly that sort of character trait. Can we yeah. have this book, please? I would like this book. <laughs> <laughs> and, not, and not a mock up or a recreation. No, 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 we need, no, we need someone book. to sit down and write book. it. Yeah, write the whole 400 pages, get on it. <laughs> please. We've already kind of got a T-shirt of it. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I want to know that. See, look. Yeah, proper oh, drawings Clark's and everything. Really beautiful. Matt Clark's a genius, isn't he? I hope it. Oh, if it's not Matt Clark, whoever did it is a genius. But yeah, probably Matt Clark. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just assuming, unless otherwise stated, and I'm sure if, if someone else did it, Matt will probably mention that. <laughs> but and this this reveal. <laughs> <laughs> Puffer, puffer jacket. Puffer, the puffer, fact puffer. that the jacket is wearing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a really good reveal. Because I remember just... discussion about that suit in advance, because obviously we'd seen it on publicity pictures and stuff, and people talking about how it looks weird for a cat suit, and it's yeah. like, would he would he use that material? And like, But yeah. If he's desperate, <laughs> he will, yeah. It's in, it's in story now. Yeah. This this whole section like, is just hitting the marks over and over again. It's like the funniest the show's been so long. And with all this kind of impressive um, like model slash CG effects yeah. all mixed in, it's just like all cylinders. See? Back. Cylinders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we haven't mentioned that, have we? Um, oh. Following on from the last commentary where Doug replied to our thread, saying he basically every series apparently told the model unit that or told VizFX that the leg should be back when it's flying, and it, it never was. So apparently that could always happen, and it just never was, because no one listened to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to think of it as them exercising their creative instincts and thinking, <laughs> yeah. mm, that'll look shit, let's just pretend we didn't hear him. <laughs> this, oh my God, here we go, another... <laughs> Expertly timed, yeah. And good face, constant Chris face. Uh, The cat (laughs) frustratedly firing a fire extinguisher at him seems a bit like wow, 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 (laughs) wow. Yeah, more daft cat jokes. Knocking things yeah. off. <laughs> fuck this. Fuck that. Fuck this thing in particular. <laughs> wow. My dominator. <laughs> <laughs> I really like his. I'm sorry to, to interrupt you. Knocking things off the table, <laughs> like making it such an everyday normal thing. It's like a thing that he really wants to do. <laughs> he gets incredible joy from knocking things off. Well, cats do, don't they, little bastards? Yeah. <laughs> Absolute cunts, a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> this is unrealistic oh, because so cats, cats never, ever use a brand new scratching post. You've got them. Like, <laughs> it'll take no, years. You'd go on the sofa or yeah. the wall or something that you want to keep completely ignore it. What they should have done is brought in a box, taken the scratching post out of it, left the box there, and it climbs in the box instead. 
It's like they haven't really had to pardon the pun. They haven't really scratched the itch of doing jokes about cats in human form since the very early series. Like mm. cat hasn't done any of that stuff for a long time, like series one or two. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like, <laughs> like Doug's had all these stored up over the years. And it's like, ah, finally some, we got an opportunity to write for some other cats and we can do all the dumb cat jokes that we Yeah, get them all out, get them all because out. Because cats developed over the years. <laughs> Our cat has developed. To the point where he seems to have forgotten that he's a cat. <laughs> which was, yeah, which was the theme of um, Identity Within. Uh, mm. the, the through thread of that cat-based episode uh, was that he'd sort of lost all his catty instincts and was he... Uh, it become too humanized and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, great concept. Shit episode. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's a, that's unfair. Shit script. <laughs> Shit first draft of a script. Yeah. To be fair to you. <laughs> she should be. She should be complaining about all the barbs. <laughs> Spoilers for the next uh, book club. Yes. <laughs> oh God. Look out for that in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're getting so much shit for taking ages with the book club. <laughs> this little quest to find bits of the Iron Star seems to be like like sort of trying to find them something to do like give them a purpose for just yeah. sitting around <laughs> not just sitting around and waiting I believe that is a MacGuffin yes they got MacGuffin <laughs> Lister um, taking his first tentative steps towards becoming spanners here. Like he's, you know, he's, getting... <laughs> he's been a using a screwdriver, you know, a couple of times this episode now. <laughs> call him screwers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a measure of how much Craig has uh, changed as an actor over the years, in that previously, when you gave him a prop, you knew it would fall apart. But now he's got a prop that can fit things together. He's fixing things. <laughs> he probably broke it earlier really and then he's been much. given a, scre- a screwdriver to sort it out in during yeah. the take. Like, we haven't got time to do it. Yeah. Just do it while you do it. <laughs> Whereas the cat, because Danny was riding the laugh, <laughs> spent far too long on one particular screw. <laughs> <laughs> he just threaded that fucking thing. It's like in uh, like in Neighbours where you know, you're in the, the coffee shop and people making a milkshake last for far too long <laughs> yes. just stabbing it not actually drinking it <laughs> again, again the whole thing of like explaining everything about the plot of the show in this one it's nice mm. it? it's nice it's like just it could sort of stand alone yeah in the same way, I guess, that the movie was intended to stand alone and be a complete refresh, reboot. Yeah. 
Oh, I like the little detail of the back end of the ship missing on the vid screen. That's good. Yeah, ready to. Good detail. Well done, Matt. Crichton <laughs> practicing his line in full view and earshot of the people that he's going to do it to. He's that bad at lying. <laughs> I like this little sequence of scenes as a good structure and it's that thing of them all failing in different ways to do the thing that they're supposed to do all in character See, Crichton did a whiny voice without sounding whiny (laughs) Yeah Can do it Yeah, decent job A fair job (laughs) The thing is, is that they don't necessarily have to say Lister's a cunt. Like they just have to say, yeah. "Look, Lister literally did indirectly create your race." However, Therefore, <laughs> however, <laughs> the idea that he's all powerful isn't necessarily true. He's just a humanoid, exactly like you are. He's just this guy, it. you know. He's just, he's just this guy, you know. <laughs> And the cat accidentally getting. Oh, the cat's talking to the cat. Yeah. About things entirely unrelated to. Oh, hello, fellow members of my species. (laughs) Yes. I assumed we're all dead or hadn't heard of for the entirety of my adult life. Although this this is quite good because, like, they have got a point. Like, you know. Like he did create them. That you know, it's it's. <laughs> As always, the cat launching himself into something with more than the requisite amount of zest. <laughs> it was, like that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> like that, the more than requisite amount of zest is good. <laughs> And again, this is... Do you know what this whole sequence reminds me of is Trojan? The moose joke in Trojan where it's like each character comes in and does something that's entirely in character yeah. that makes perfect sense. It's not predictable, but... Uh, well, sometimes it's predictable. But like the jokes come from the characters all doing the same thing in different ways. And then at the end of that one, the cat gets a laugh just by coming into the room because you know that the cat's going to do something funny. Yep. And in this one, Lister says, why can no one criticise me? Rimmer stands up and gets a laugh just for standing, because you know what's about to happen. Yeah. Although I've just noticed a continuity error where he walks in carrying his coil at the front and he wasn't before. <laughs> Never mind. That is quite terrifying. terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Have you seen this about mooses? 
We know it can be used as a hovercraft. Uh, it's got used as a hovercraft in... Oh, no. <laughs> Terraform. And if that's not Robert <laughs> getting, yeah. his, getting his oar in, saying we, yeah. can generally, we can make the Starbuck into a hybrid. I think in reality, Robert might be uh, a bit sniffy about hybrids. Robert, does, yeah, Robert is anti-hybrid. Yeah. Like, as in they're, a, they're better, but Pointless, they're still petrol. Yeah. yeah. You'd prefer it if Starbuck was fully electric. It looks so weird without the back end. Doesn't it? Yeah. Legs neither up nor down. No, legs. Well, when they're up, they're up. No chance, you metal bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's happened before. (laughs) I don't like seat warmers. Make you think you've pissed yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Never thought about it. Well, you uh, get into yeah. a car and you don't know there's a seat warmer. You, it, it is an alarming experience. Who's <laughs> been sat here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a warm toilet seat. Oh, dog. dog. And there we go. There oh. he is. Finally, and that's after what they years. wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Impossible in 1988. Piece of piss in uh, yeah. 2019. Even, the thing is, even saying piece of piss in 19, you know, in, now it's like that's not easy to do. <laughs> To, no, yeah. To the technology, ex- the technology exists to do it, but it is still a difficult, skilled process. Yeah. Mm. It looks amazing. It's really <clears throat> striking, isn't it? Yeah, I love the. Is he, is, is he even mono as well? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. He certainly there's, got like a low there's a fa- there's hertz. A, yeah, yeah. high pass filter on it. Oh. Yeah, this is really, like, fuck off, cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's necessary. It is. Well, to, we... set, to set Rimmer off on the mindset that he, that this path that he goes down. And it's actually quite astute for the cat. But, uh, shorn of that context, it's, <laughs> it's just really mean. Yeah. And I guess we need to ramp up the cat being mean about him as well because he has his own little realisation at the end, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's that old thing of overemphasising traits that are there in order to have a good counterpoint later on. Yeah, have a good arc. The added anxiety is really more of our battery. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> a bit like uh, Terraform, isn't it? Rip, rip, Rimmer's <laughs> mood being linked to the <laughs> fate of Starbuck. <laughs> I 
That's a terrible idea. <laughs> really awful. Well, you're not going to take down a ship with a bazookoid, a mining bazookoid. <laughs> Stanley scale. It's, it, that's a misprint. It's actually the Stanley scale. <laughs> Stanley scale. The Stanley scale of superhero instances. Yeah. It's based on how many uh, iconic superheroes have been invented by the Sandstorm. <laughs> Such as the Sandman. <laughs> hey, there's the a joke about uh, getting an insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> this this was after the AA adverts as well, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the camera See, works really dynamic in this. Such such. Normally it's cutting, but it's panning on this. It's like throwing between people. It's really good. Well, they had, for the recording of this, because um, this is the only set, uh, studio set that was used in the second uh, studio date uh, for in front of the audience stuff. Um, so they had, where whereas Starbuck is normally tucked around the side um, because you can't really see into it, mm. they brought it to the front so that it was in the middle of the of the floor and everyone could see it, but you still couldn't actually see anything that was going on yeah. because there's only the tiny uh, view screen window to look through anyway and it was entirely surrounded by all four cameras and booms and etc yeah. uh, so effectively we were watching it all on monitors uh, despite the knowledge that it was it was happening in front of us we just couldn't see a bloody thing <laughs> This is the loveliest <laughs> scene this is, in Modern Dwarf. This is dark as fuck for Rimmer. This is mm. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that you can only have when you're doing a 90-minute episode because to have Rimmer go down this dark, dark path and come out the other side of it would take up too much of a proportionally of a standard-sized episode. You've got to have the time for all the these things to have happened to Rimmer and for then for Lister to pull him out of it you wouldn't want to dwell on this if you only had half an hour but within a 90 minute thing it's perfectly yep. judged it's exactly why this format is is exciting for the future because it just yeah. allows for slightly it allows for the slower pace of the earlier series really like mm. the very early series because you can mix it in with all the exciting stuff as well yeah. You can just have, have your cake and eat it. <laughs> yeah, you've got that time to, to bring it down and get the pathos in. Yeah. Doug's really yeah, into bringing dwarf. pathos into Red Dwarf as well, like a lot more yeah. than even the early days. I just feel like this is the first time he's actually been able to effectively do that. And that yeah. and mainly because of the running time. It's kind of, it's something that I've been pining for for the whole of the day era for Dwarf to em- to embrace its capacity to be emotional. Yeah. Like probably like for the first time since Series 2 and the Observation Dome scenes to have some proper pathos in Red Dwarf. And I think the reason that I'm so keen on it is... <laughs> I'm just paused to admire Robert Nolan's face. <laughs> yes! <laughs> That's <Sorry. absolutely> superb. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as, as fans, Red Dwarf means so much to us now after all this time. Um, and it it's such an important part of our lives that we feel emotional about Red Dwarf. And so that's why as fans, it's a good time now. You've got this huge dedicated fan base for whom it means so much and have invested so much time into it. It's the right time to 
introduce that same level of emotion yeah. into the series. Yeah, people will respond well to emotion in it, and like the 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 most popular bits of Back to Earth, or my favorite mm. bits as well, were the emotional bits where, which is really the last time that Doug was able to do anything effectively, like the 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 graveyard seat, which is very yeah. observation dome, and the end as well, and pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah, Lister and Rimmer in particular means so much to so many people. Like yeah. from wherever part of fandom you're in. Like <laughs> Oh yeah, this is this is a Rimmer and Lister scene that like everyone can get, get something from, you know. Yeah. Tweet. So yeah, that's unrealistic because everyone only knows one <laughs> of the four musketeers of three musketeers. Dog Tenyon. Dog Tenyon, yeah. That's the only <laughs> yes. one anyone knows. <laughs> well, they always let Rimmer be the Queen of Spain. <laughs> I love this because it's there's a whole thing. The moon picture there is what makes Lister think about it, and it is a fucking gorgeous screen that does it as well. Yeah. Like it. What? What is that? Like a screensaver? It's it just yeah. yeah. It's like a holding screen. Yeah. Like the fishes in series four. Yeah. Holding screen. Yeah. You know, um, flat earthers think that the moon makes its own light. <laughs> With what? Um, cosmic radiation. Cosmic torches or whatever. Yeah. Massive, oh yeah, it, the idea is that it makes it, it's um, it's light that is produced with the the opposite type of energy as the sun, so it um, it actually removes heat from the earth, uh, or, oh, yeah. or because like if it reflected the sun's light, I think it would it would definitely disprove something to do with flat earth. Anyway, I digress. There's the cat the cat's doing a sleep blep there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quite realistic. That's good. He's obsessed with that emergency escape hatch. That's his second plan in the last five minutes. I feel like that should have been his middle finger. <laughs> for the sake of the joke. Would have put it up to a 15. <laughs> it's good. So we've got, we've got a bit of terraform here. Yeah. <laughs> I like that he has a not. choice of eyes. Two of them have eyelids and two of them don't. <laughs> That's a good prop. <laughs> it is so terrible, isn't it? <laughs> it's so just silly. <laughs> How does the eyeball get out of the drill-sized hole? That's a very good point. The aerial would fit. Yep. <laughs> Let's not think about it. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't uh, heard from the cat 
clerics for a while, have we? Oh, there they are. <laughs> They've just been <laughs> stored away in the back because we don't really have much for them to do. <laughs> yeah, at this stage. I remember being confused, actually, uh, with the recording. That There's a shot around about, well, almost exactly the halfway point is where the um, the two recordings split. Um, there's a shot of the the cat clerics being bundled into the back of Starbuck and getting strapped in. That wasn't there on either of the recording dates. Uh, like, um, it wasn't there at the end of the first one or the start of the second one. So when they suddenly turned up in the in the middle of the second half, I thought, oh, yeah, they're here. <laughs> That's a very specific problem um, <laughs> yeah. to have a very specific type of person that was at both recording dates for this, <laughs> which might be, you know, you could count on two hands. Uh, yeah, I wasn't going to be, uh, but it was the fact that one of them got delayed until the following year that allowed me to make it to both of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, to choose one they, they got They got that in just in time, didn't they? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. If they hadn't have managed it to schedule for January, February, then we might still be waiting totally for the promised land. Yeah. That would be that would have been such a red dwarf thing yeah, to have shot half an episode and then a global pandemic happens. <laughs> As it happened that uh, when this went out, it was two weeks after the lockdown started, uh, a week even, like really really right at the beginning. It, it was yeah, it was towards the beginning at least. CPUs don't store files. <laughs> He's going to get it wrong again. Yes. Twenty-five years worth of Doug's <laughs> computer knowledge being shit. So, it was Rob that worked the computer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do love that. I'll he's the sci-fi the guy. He's ever been. It's like, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, you do it. <laughs> do it. <sighs> That's a weird one. Crazier than a dog that's just been bathed. Yeah, dog, dogs aren't that, that fuss. They shake themselves dry a bit, but usually they enjoy bath. <laughs> like that's <laughs> good. progress, but this is, is like, a is rare that, example. Is that Windows XP? Yeah, this is, uh, well, ninety-five style, I think. Yeah. Um, normally, when there's computer gag, um, it's a Mac one. Yeah, we've had. We've had uh, yeah, this is a, uh, definitely a Windows one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that worth sequence, it. That bit in the original and the recording night didn't have the progress bar or any of the music behind it, so it was just Norman doing faces <laughs> for 30 seconds or so and then saying, what's happening, dudes? And I kind of preferred it that way. <laughs> just like, just raw Norman. <laughs> Roman love it. Not saying a word, just like his stand-up. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Because he's, you know, he's still got a very good comedy face. He's got great comedy instincts, like this, this whole yeah. scene. <laughs> Superb joke. Absolutely good. <laughs> no, he's corpsed as well. Yeah. So he's had that ever since he came back in series seven. Yeah, like, a little smile. Whenever he gets a good laugh, he he has to suppress a smile. 
I don't know. He kind of does it. He does it in the earlier series as well. He kind of like, <laughs> plays the whole sort of like a I'm having a laugh. I can imagine. Yeah, the dog's milk scene. Yeah. I think he's got a bit of that. Yeah, and the Norweb yeah. thing. There's as well. definitely a bit of it at the end of Queeg with the April Fool, but that could be in character. Yeah, I think yeah it's true. Is. Yeah. <laughs> when he rides the laugh about Flisty Kendall's bottom, we we flew around that one a few times. You can see him corpse in there. Yeah, yeah. Cause, yeah. <laughs> Again, the timing, and the, all this is playing like off screen as well. Just yeah, yeah. We don't. It would be worse with a visual effect sequence showing that happening. Yeah. No, you need that. It's need so to... much better just having Norman just describe it. it. <laughs> this is like a better version of the um the the, the traveling faster than light from Future Echoes. You know, like that's how that's how good mm. this this bit is. It's certainly the finest Holly yes. that we've had since Series 5. Yeah, of recent times. Well, yeah. probably Series 3 or 4, because well, yeah, Holly, Holly's fi- barely in Series 5. Yeah, f- finest Norman since Queek. <laughs> the finest Norman since Queek, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's coming as... I liked him in Skipper as well, but this is just Look another level. That's a... Look at that! Pretty good. That's so cool. I'm not... Yeah, it really is like it's the best of the Dave era. This yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Like I don't know if overall it's my absolute favourite episode of the Dave era because I've got a lot of time for Lemons and Skipper and various Crisis others. Crisis, but all the all the ingredients <laughs> are like mm-hmm. it's it's sort of the but, ultimate version of yeah, the Dave era. Yeah, this has got every a bit of everything. Like the episodes allow. I can specialise. Holly <laughs> mm. doesn't even know you've done it. <laughs> I think even when it comes down to things like the cinematography, it's just pitched at the right level because there was a lot of complaints. I really liked the look of 11 and 12, but it was very dark and broody. Uh, this has the same feel, but feels more like a sitcom again. It's got that brightness to it. (laughs) Right, 15 minutes of the episode left. That's everything pretty much wrapped up. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And now it's all for Robert to almost die. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I'm here now. Well, it is very cat-like to just invade someone else's house and decide <laughs> yeah. that you live there now. It's like the, the, the meme must on, have on left Twitter. Out some this is my window. This is not my cat. <laughs> <laughs> In accordance with the scriptures. All right, chill out, mate. <laughs> Again, I can't kind of sympathise with Rodon a bit with yeah. his like he's he knows exactly how to disprove Lister's godness yeah. and to make Lister confess. He knows what to do in order to get it done. But this is the thing. You are cloister. Like explain that. 
explain the actual yeah. <laughs> reason why you are cloister. I, he, I like this speech of Lister's where he's sort of like, where they ask him how to how do you explain all those miracles then, and he just says, you know, it's luck or science or whatever, like giving the rational explanation to everything. Yeah. <laughs> and a bit of 14B based business <laughs> it's like I don't know if that was that like a kind of an unseen part of life on Z shift where Lister did actually have some, some no, that's, that's care and consideration or yeah. is he just lying about it now because yeah. <laughs> I think he's just lying about it he's lying about it now and Rimmel lets him yeah Rimmel lets it go he doesn't try to <laughs> we're a ship of fools Magic insane. I mean, it is weird that he turns off her ability to spin on and off. <laughs> it's very handy that he chucks that back to him. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, Chekhov's and the cat is his brother. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting about that. It's, I think it's unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, completely it's, unnecessary. It's enough that they're the same species after all this time. The cat should definitely have more of a reaction. It, it's the thing that lets it down because you come back here and it's it's kind of like... I, I don't care from a sort of mythos point of view that the cat has a long lost brother it's like that doesn't bother me one way or the other mm. it's just this is the only bit that the cat has where he has any reaction whatsoever to there being other cats and when it comes back like this it makes you realise that it's missing throughout Yeah, yeah. It, it's, just, it's kind of like a shorthand shortcut version of like oh I'm your long lost brother also all of these all of these cats should be several hundred if not thousands of years past the point where the cat existed in their timeline because he's been in like suspended animation for like hundreds of years. That's true. Point. <laughs> yeah. They they could have done this as like you know oh you're the cat from the scripture or from from the from the records you know and you were left for because you were the one that was left behind. Yeah. yeah. The son of the cripple and the idiot. Mm. I do really like his line. I am home. Mm. Like reconfer that that's the cat, like how, <clears throat> however little there is of it, that that emotional beat of the cats does work. Him re-establishing that he's not one of them; he belongs with our crew. Yeah, and the thing of calling Red Dwarf home always reminds me of spoilers. The ending of uh, Backwards, <laughs> the novel, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which we'll come to it's in a few podcast the, uh, time. Dimension of why the cat was left behind because he was uncool, and therefore that's what made him the way he is now mm. he vowed he'd never be uncool again so basically he he based his entire life on that moment when they left him but he never never spoke about that with listen yeah yeah never mentioned it before no never or even with a the brother or a sister which which of course he would have done but you know well if he's like a real cat 
uh, a current cat, then yeah, the litters are huge a lot yeah. of the time. And also, they don't, you know, that like we've we've got, you know, brothers and sisters who just don't get on. Like we, you know, that happens. In yeah, them. you have the same in the same house, and they don't, you know, coexist. Basically, they kind of might as well be separate cats. There's a moon here, Listy, that wouldn't mind some sunlight. And a thousand slash writers punched the air. <laughs> and then went to write it on Tumblr and realised they probably couldn't. <laughs> Lister having a flashback to something earlier in the episode. <laughs> yeah, that's possibly a little bit unnecessary. The thing is, it makes sense. Like the, the the whole god of the he is the god of the dead is Anubis. That makes sense. But the whole thing about it being connecting to the cat thing is the thing that is the mm. most tenuous part. So, so Robert was ill at this point. Is, so, is that not Robert? Might not be. No, I think it is. Right. I mean, by the they they postponed a recording because Robert was ill. I don't think they recorded much. I don't think they used a stand in at all. I think they it was the it was all the pre-records that they couldn't do because <laughs> uh, Robert was ill during the pre-records, so they shot what they could without him and then picked up the rest later. Right, got you. By this stage, uh, this this is all stuff from the second session, uh, so he was good and well then. Oh, fine, right. But there is that thing which I think we yeah we discussed it in the previous commentary episode because in the last Waffleman. That there was a a brief thought that this could be Crichton being written out. Uh, Very reminiscent of the end of Last Human. <laughs> yeah, Holly ducking out of the way. Very reminiscent. <laughs> I mean, Holly ducking out of the way, like um, like Hattie, like Hattie, yeah. when Hitler's briefcase explodes. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we feel about series 8 it's like yes all right we yeah. don't like it but we like not liking it <laughs> yeah it's it's nice the cat's reaction yeah oh will you Stupid <laughs> bloody costume. So <laughs> <laughs> like fucking robot. Meow. <laughs> 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 It's 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 one step away from pew 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 pew. pew. It's always the same with cats. Like one minute they're letting you like give them a scratch behind the ear, and the next minute they're firing (laughs) missiles at you. That's it. Lovely model shot. Well, not model shot. Lovely effect shot again. Yeah. (laughs) 
I wonder if, like, did the cats help with this plan? Because the um, the laser pointer helped them escape. Yeah, uh, they must have done, yeah. In the beginning, so they, they told them what they'd done. Helped them come up with the idea. <laughs> Not entirely clear on how the cats the attacking exploded. Rodan causes the ship to explode, but presumably someone just leant on a button or something. The <laughs> Oh, no one's controlling the ship anymore. They're all too yeah. busy. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, every single one of them. <laughs> you just killed Cat's brother. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, high five. <laughs> it's such a weird, different episode of a dwarf, is this? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's massive. Mm. Hey, on the bottom left of the screen there it says G&T oh, yes. <laughs> That's the close-up of our panel <laughs> yeah, And then realising that he needed a service I remember getting a bit upset about this <laughs> The idea that Crichton would be dead Yeah it doesn't last very long because obviously it, they're going to use the stone. Yeah, it's a bit weird, like a bit wonky um, logic about the once a battery discharges, then you're fucked because they mm. even that applies to both of them according to this. Yeah, to both Rimmer and Crichton that they're they're gone. For... I suppose you have to have some sort of peril, some sort of mortality. Yeah, it's true. To, but then, if that was the case, then the Anubis stone wouldn't do shit for Crichton. Because he's already dead. Like, yeah, but it's all... magic. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Wizard did it. But yeah, it's the second time in five minutes that we've had a moment of this main character is dead forever. Oh, they're all right. Yeah, that's true. Pew. <laughs> Good Chris face there. <laughs> Always. Yeah. And good bit of editing. Cut back to yeah. Rimmer's in his normal uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Little <laughs> 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 Starbucks celebratory spin. <laughs> Cat pissing about. <laughs> <laughs> the promised land is not a planet it's an episode of Red Dwarf the promised land is the friends we made along the way <laughs> just to note I, I really like the fact that this episode is called the promised land after named after a line in the end of the first episode yeah mm-hmm. 
This is <laughs> the ultimate accolade for Rimmer is that not only is he being worshipped as a god, but is at the expense of Lister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rimmy, Rimmy. Chris getting yeah. flashbacks to DJ Discos. <laughs> That's pretty much how he's received. <laughs> And the uh, next up is QIXL. (laughs) (laughs) Capsi, you're giving away the nature of our recording. There's a couple of interesting credits in this. Uh, Richard Naylor is credited with additional material, which is the first time that that particular credit has appeared on Red Dwarf. He should have got it for only the good. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's vital intervention. Um, and on the same screen where Paul Farrer's name is there as composer, uh, Howard Goodall gets a credit for Red Dwarf music, oh, uh, which right. presumably means like the opening and closing it's theme. It's a contractual <laughs> uh, thing. He has uh, to yeah. be. But calling it Red Dwarf music seems strange because it's all Red yeah, Dwarf theme music. music. Would, do, would be fine. Mm. Yeah, Red Dwarf theme by Howard Goodall. Actually, do you know what? It's weird actually because on QI. On QI, uh, Howard Goodall, it says QI theme, Howard Goodall. Mm. And Grant Naylor's logo's changed. How's that? That's weird. Yeah, they've gone sans. Sans serif. They've gone sans Doug. <laughs> they are. <laughs> sans everything. <laughs> so that was The Promised Land. And as we were saying throughout, it's a damn fine result from the experiment of doing an hour and a half long episode. Yes. For sure. And I think we're all in agreement that at this point, if there is to be future Red Dwarf, we'd kind of like it to remain in this format. It's certainly the most interesting format, isn't it? It's like it, it allows for the most different things to be done. Yeah. Not only have we had traditional series all through the 90s, we've also had quite a lot of series on the Dave era now. So it's it's good to have the opportunity to break away from that a bit. And the special, as we've seen with this, the special allows to like expand into various areas that we haven't really been... This episode is, is kind of all things to all people in a way. Like we had the quiet moments. We had one of the best bunk room conversations that wasn't in the bunk room um, yeah. for years, <laughs> you know. Um, but we've also we had bombast and amazing effect shots and woofers and loads of guest stars. Like it just had everything basically. Massive floppy disks. Yeah, massive exactly. cat flaps. <laughs> What more do you want? Exactly, yeah. I mean, I certainly wouldn't turn my nose up at another series if that's the route that they decide to go down. Mm -hmm. I would happily take that as well. But I think logistically, with the difficulty of getting the cast together and making sure that the stars align, I think doing longer episodes a little bit more frequently if possible is definitely the way to go. The risk attached is that it doesn't end up as the quality of the promised land when we get an hour and a half version of Time Wave. And then it's just that, yeah. Yeah, and that's all we have to go on, but we'll give them the benefit of the doubt and and hope that they're all promised land style. If you can imagine Doug having to write a series, like having a series worth of time to write an hour and a half episode, Mm. he's going to have twice as much time. Yeah. Even in a series that's been not particularly brilliant. There's been three usually good episodes in there, so it's obvious that 
you know, Doug is capable of writing an hour and a half of good stuff regardless of the amount of time he's given. Mm. Mm. It's less likely that stuff is just going to get written just to get things over the line in a special than it is in a sit. Like, you know, you could imagine maybe, well, maybe not bits of time wave, but, you know, certain bits, like things like Dear Dave, like that was, just get it done because we need to deliver the yeah. series sort of as an episode, you know. Yeah, and you won't really get that with a special because it'd be more deliberate self-contained and as well as the ability to tell bigger stories due to the longer running time per story it's also beneficial to only have to come up with one big massive idea as a minimum yeah rather than six big ideas or 12 in the case of uh, the last production block it's going to be a better concentration yeah and doug dropped hints that there's, there's other like the way that this went back and filled in answered a question about Red Dwarf's mythology of what happened to the cat people, what happened next. He's hinted that there's other things that he wants to do where he wants to look back and, and sort of fill in the gaps, and I'm all what for What happened that. to Snacky? What the fuck happened to Snacky? What happened to Hoagie? <laughs> what else? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I mean, what happened to Kachansky, I guess, is the big one, right? Yeah... Well, there's also uh, Jim and Bexley, I thought, might be interesting. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Return yeah. to the parallel universe. And, like, Susan Burtish and Angela Bruce are still active. They're still acting. Yeah. Susan Burtish plays Tag's mom in Hey Dougie, and so I've heard a lot of her recently. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> that's the mum that wants to fuck Dougie, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she plays it very well. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> oh, well. I, I need to have at least one conversation that doesn't revolve around CP. <laughs> Impossible. Norman was on amazing form as well. Like, especially yeah. when he's playing the straight Holly and then the, the funny Holly, and he was able to draw that line mm. between an official yeah. capacity, like what Holly would have been in series one without the dementia. Yeah. Then the, the, the current Holly was able to play those two states. Yep. Yeah, I think you smashed it. He even managed to do a Series 8 holly pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) All the more remarkable when you consider he was reading his script off the autocue, sort of line by line. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't get the impression from the recording that he was completely au fait with his lines without the autocue. And in fact, he was ill on the first recording. He had a bit of a head cold. Really? Yeah. And that's when he did the bulk of the straight-laced holly. Yeah. I've realised for the first time that Norman's never appeared in person in the show. Every other character's appeared, whether they're a voiceover, they've normally appeared in person in some way. Mm. But like like Hattie and, and, and Rebecca and, and, you know, but quite cool to see Norman play someone who isn't Holly, but is someone in... The great, well, all we need to do is get him to complain that they're wasting his body, that his body is where the money is. <laughs> I don't yeah, computer, it should just be me, just be me walking around. It should just be me. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I think they, I think they did that. They shot everything with Norman first, walking around, and then they comped in the TV. With... <laughs> Very difficult in 1988, but it's getting it's easier now. I mean, it, you, you wouldn't think it was done afterwards, would you? And it would give him an opportunity to display the football skills that made him famous. <laughs> And I don't want to dwell on the negatives either, but like the, it's not it's not a perfect thing. I mean, we you know we've had the the discussion about the scene at the beginning and stuff. So there's still it's still every now and then there's rough edges where it's yeah. unusual threads that don't go anywhere for any reason other than just again like just to fill out time. It's still written by Doug Naylor with all the benefits and uh, disadvantages yeah. that come with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's many benefits and there's far more benefits than there are disadvantages. But the disadvantages yeah. will just just seem they'll always be there. Um, yeah, so there's always, there's always that. It's weird to have a scene like that where there's absolutely no bearing on the plot at all. 
it's definitely there as the as a kind of a sirensy scene. Attempt to have a funny bit about the fact that Lister's the last human. It's it's scene setting and injecting some humour into it. I think um, that is the purpose of it. But laying pipe in a very clumsy way. <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite. Is what they proposed. Uh, yeah, it's it's always a bad mark against a scene. Uh, if you can completely remove it and it make no difference whatsoever to yeah. the plot or the character development or anything, um, like regardless of the content of the scene, you ideally you wouldn't want any scene that's not putting in some work in in setting the overall mood and driving the overall story forward. Yeah, exactly. And and last human stuff just really isn't. It's not a theme, is it? It's it's no. it's not touched on anywhere else. Not really. No, and like we said, I'd, prefer, I'd have preferred more time spent with the cat and his yeah. feelings and his reactions. That must have just ended up being really difficult to do. Like this, yeah. I've been thinking about this, is that um, in the in the minutes in between us watching this episode and recording this bit, it must have got to the point where it's just like, right, okay, time to write the cat reacting to this. Like, fuck, this is difficult. How like mm. <laughs> how does this work? Because like he's not defined by the fact that he's part of that group. You know, about yeah. thirty years, he's been defined purely as a member of the crew. So like, it's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> we just get that glimpse at the end, which is really good of him saying, "This is my home." Yeah, which kind of covers that, but. This That's is my home, which is why I've shown absolutely zero interest in any of you guns <laughs> for the entire episode. <laughs> it's probably the most serious I've ever seen the cat as well. Mm. Everyone's got their moment in this in this episode where, where they're being quite honest and genuine, whether that's good or bad, you know, character-wise. But the cat having a gut rimmer about being metaphysical and stuff, that's in character for the cat, but in, in a much deeper sense. His reaction to Rimmer's apparent death as well, I found quite touching yeah exactly the cat does end up getting some of his best moments he's had in ages it's just it's it's a bit sporadic isn't it kind of it's kind of added on to the end yeah not what you'd expect they're more to do with the involvement with the crew rather than the cat race they're more yeah there's no sort of emotional attachment to the cat race yeah but then again that kind of ties in with how cats work you know they're not emotionally attached and they hate other cats in the main. <laughs> Just because, you know, one cat might be their brother doesn't mean they're going to like them. Yeah. You know, so it, it all kind of makes sense, but it's never really explicitly stated. It's something that, you know, a cat owner would understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so finally, then, I guess we've got some, I guess they're small points equivalents in that about a year ago, I noted down some note on each scene of this you know the intention to turn it into an article but like so many things in the last year or so i've had no time whatsoever to do it <laughs> but yeah various callback and fan servicey type moment and it starts right from the opening scene because rodon is seen uh with a cat book and it's got um the waiting for god style illustrations in it uh depicting cloister etc mm. and you can see the small uh, markings in the in the lines on the page once again the most effective bits of back referencing done by the art department matt clark yeah i was gonna say yeah it's what we've come to expect yeah. from uh, matt clark's team uh a bit later on lister sings a bit of the om song as he's uh pushing a trolley down a corridor which is uh you know why not yeah why not keep Don't singing those hits too. kid <laughs> there's a space called directives joke when they first enter the iron star which is we haven't really had one for a while but it's a proper series six style I can't remember the details off the top of my head, but there is a... How soon we forget Time Wave's best joke. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> Time waves only joke. <laughs> One that's not exactly a back reference, but I noted it down anyway. That Lister's initial conversation with the cat clerics. It's kind of fulfilling a form of prophecy of God returning in all its glory and saying, sorry, it's all been a bit of a cock-up. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> Is effectively what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Much later in the episode, when Crichton... He's trying to tell the cats the truth, but can't bring himself to badmouth Lister. He does some Series 7-style crying, but it's a lot milder and a lot more bearable. Yeah, we, 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 do, we did mention that in the commentary. Like, we did, yeah, we did. The whiny voice wasn't as, like, it was, it was, it was pitched much better. It wasn't, like, it wasn't, you know, dolphin territory. <laughs> <laughs> it was more hamster. Yeah, it was definitely much more. And also, the I, we, the thing is, we have to mention it as well. Just Robert has amazing scenes where he does nothing. He literally yeah. stares, and it's the funniest thing. Yeah, in, <laughs> nearly in the entire episode, it's the in the moonlight scene when he cannot bring himself to not Nod. to agree that he likes him, and he actually breaks his neck trying to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, the rabbit in the it'll headlights always, look. Right. Always remind me of the opening scene of. Um, Macocracy, which just starts with Crichton staring yeah. straight ahead for th- for a minute. That's good. Perfect. It's so nice how Robert is just so entrenched that he can just get away with that completely. During that same moonlight scene, there's a Boys from the Dwarf, which has become yeah. more common in recent years, but it's still a nice. Yeah. And I think the last one is in amongst the scene uh, where they get back to Red Dwarf and Rodon turns up, as well as all the 14B related bants, which mm-hmm. we talked about in the commentary. Cat uh, remembers his backward shit. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. As an example of the crazy stuff that's happened to him since they last saw <laughs> Rodon. <laughs> yeah, but you don't want to know about that. Yeah, <laughs> there was a, there was another bit actually that I noticed while, while watching is that when Rimmer is first getting his uh, hard light upgraded, you, if you pause, you might see that he's wearing some old costumes as he kind of oh. flicks between them. Oh, yeah. good spot! So there you go, and a massive age. <laughs> <laughs> also, the cat race uh, were first mentioned in series one, episode one. <laughs> yeah, actually, no, not episode one. Well, they were. Well, they were. In episode yeah. one. Well, and then again in episode four. Years ago, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Holly exposition. Yeah. And the phrase "the promised land." Very yeah, true. Yeah. In episode one. So it's a good. If 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 Red Dwarf was to this is the crux of the argument. If Red Dwarf was to ever stop now, there would be a nice cyclical thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. With Red Dwarf yeah. as it is now. You mentioned the cat race at the beginning. You end up with the cat race at the end. In the same, it would be fine if these were our buckets. I think I don't so. want it to stop. No one does. Yeah, but if it if it was to stop, this wouldn't be a bad ending point. The moonlight scene basically is a scene that's worthy of being in the last ever Red Dwarf because it summarizes perfectly the main relationship between Lister and Rimmer, which mm. we've seen grow and develop over the last thirty odd years. I think we're going to see this in in any new one. Like it, it, it'll always be written in order to be like maybe a decent ending because like Skipper was written that way and the beginning was mm. was written that way as well. It's really yeah. hard though because you're constantly wanting to get this emotional final payoff, and it's like if you keep doing that, it's gonna just that's gonna be what you know like overtake yeah. the comedy. And if it, if they end up doing. F- five or six emotional endings and it's going to be watered down a bit. It's going to be like Futurama where they just couldn't stop making endings for things. It was, yeah. like, it, like, it was nice to stop now, but we've kept going, so we'll do it again and we'll do it again and we'll do it again. I'm ever the optimist, but I don't think we're going to have an issue where we have five or six specials um, <laughs> <No>. doing anything. <laughs> I mean, it would be 
so typical and fitting of Red Dwarf that now that they've stumbled across this really exciting new formula to take the show in a new direction for the first time in 30-odd years, to then end forever due to a legal dispute mm-hmm. would be the most dwarfy thing that's ever dead dwarf. Global pandemic and then a legal dispute. Yeah, <laughs> those two twin beer muffs. Yeah, the old one-two punch. <laughs> I mean, we can't blame anyone at Grant Naylor Productions for the pandemic, as far as we know. I don't know. But I do hope that they get this dispute sorted and we get some continuation of some sorts. Indeed. In whatever form it takes. But anyway, that is potentially a discussion for a future Dwarfcast, because now that we've run out of episodes, we're going to have to do some different stuff. Oh, shit, what do we do? Well... We have plans, dear listeners slash readers, for phase two of Ganymede and Titan Dwarfcasts after 15 years of phase one. (laughs) Of our fantastic mission! (laughs) So yes, no more episode commentaries for the time being, but there are plenty of things that aren't Red Dwarf episodes that we can commentate on, such as uh, spin-offs... Uh, i.e. Red Dwarf USA. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, which is technically an episode, right? But Yeah, kind yeah. of. It's just a shit episode of a different <laughs> show. DVD extras, Red Dwarf Night features. We might even decide to cover some things that aren't Red Dwarf but are related to Red Dwarf, Some of just some of our favourite comedies that have a Red Dwarf connection that we fancy talking about yeah. because we're self-important. As tenuous as we, as we like. Yeah, because everyone needs to hear our opinions about everything. And on Over to Bill, specifically. It's one of my favourites. <laughs> we are also, once we've finished the Red Dwarf Book Club, we can exclusively reveal our next print-based project. Will be, working title, the Dwarfcasts Magazine Club. Oh, I thought we were doing the log. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, yeah. We're going to do the Space Corps Survival Manual, the log, the Craig Charles Almanac of Total Knowledge. Just to be clear, we're not doing that. <laughs> no. <laughs> not yet, anyway. Not Danny, yet. if you wanted to do the log, then you should have gone before we came. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we are going to be covering this magazine issue by issue, which we're all quite excited about doing. Yes. It's going to be done in a different way to the book club, in that I, myself, am more than familiar with each issue of this magazine. I've read them cover to cover several times. I've sort of catalogued them for an article. I've gone through and written synopses for all the comic strips, etc. Whereas Capsi and Danny ain't so familiar. Bad fans. No, we, we, over my years of being at DJs, there's been a couple of competitions we've won where there's been a magazine here and there. So I've got a smattering of actual issues, but never had the sort of wherewithal to collect them all. So yeah, it's going to be more of an intro cast type thing where Danny and Capsi are going to go in as spoiler-free as possible, yeah. read and react as they go, and I'll be sort of corralling it all and sort of guiding the discussion points. Doing most of the work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so therefore, we're not going to be inviting comments in advance uh, like we have been with the book club, uh, but there will be plenty of opportunities for you to leave your comments after the episodes are published. Plus, there'll be ways in which to interact with the episodes because there are things in this magazine like caption competitions and mm. uh, quizzes and things like that that we can get you lovely listeners slash readers involved <laughs> in. That will be good yeah <laughs> i uh, trust you guys to be hilarious so be hilarious we yeah, could save us the job 
However, before we get to that, our next non-book club episode <laughs> is getting complicated now. Book club's still happening, by the way, for three more Yeah, book episodes. club is still happening. <laughs> our next Dwarfcast will be the next part of Backwards. And then after that, we're going to do a Waffleman special to make up for the lack of Waffleman on this particular Dwarfcast. Uh, and that's the that's the segment where we answer and react to your Red Dwarf related questions and topics so if you have anything that you'd like us to talk about big or small as tangentially related to Red Dwarf as you like then do leave a comment in this article over at www.ganymede.tv or you can tweet us Twitter handle is Ganymede Heighten okay. so this should give you an idea of the kind of person we're working okay. with Okay. and so until next time thank you so much for listening and sticking with us through this overlong <laughs> commentary and this overlong post-commentary waffle section. <laughs> stay safe, stay positive, stay happy, stay with me, stay with me. You better hope and pray that you make it safe back to your own world. You better hope and pray that you'll wake one day in your own world, because when you sleep at night, they don't hear your cries in your own world. Only time will tell you if you can break the spell back in your own world. <laughs> and as always... Ed bye, everybody. Ed bye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye.